the scriptures, the way they're organized, is called a lectionary, as you know. And the Old Testament has a theme going through it. And the theme that you'll hear for the next few weeks is Genesis. And today was the first of the Genesis themes, creation. Couldn't get earlier than that. The gospel shows Jesus, as it parallels that, almost like a new creation. They're not, they don't always parallel the theme of the gospel and the theme of the Old Testament. But here, you can stretch it a little bit and say, well, Jesus is introducing a new creation, curing, preaching, and as Mark says, um, preaching the gospel in all the lands. So there's a parallel of creation and recreation with Jesus. Just not great theological insight, but as we're reading, sometimes you want to say, well, what's, what's the theme? What, what's the connection? And tomorrow, in the next few days, you'll hear the rest of more chapters out of Genesis, the creation. Put that over here for a second as we reflect on the fact that I'm wearing red vestments in honor of St. Paul Mickey, M-I-K-I, and companions. Uh, during the summer, I was able to visit Rome, and one of the great churches there is the Church of the Jesu, in which the relics of great Jesuit saints are displayed. One of them, of course, is the founder, Ignatius, and the opposite altar has uh, his compatriot who was sent to Japan with other Jesuits in the 17th century. There was a great fervor in Europe in the 17th century. This is post-Trent uh, and post the, it was during what we call the Catholic Reformation, the, the response to the Protestant Reformation and a great fervor among Catholics and leaders in the church to really be proud of their faith and display it. So the artistic response we call Baroque, which is a very ornate expression of God, the saints, and so on. And there's no place in the beautiful Jesuit church that's not Baroque, very, very highly ornamented, praising God, praising the angels, Raising Mary, and if you look up to the ceiling, as a matter of fact, they provide a mirror where people can look up without having to tilt their heads of heaven. But the way it's done, the the architecture and painting are worked together, and there's a frame around the entire ceiling, and the frame has in it a painting of heaven. But coming out of the frame are some of the, the figures, some of the angels, some of the, the saints. So as you're standing there, you, you look up and you get a picture of a window into heaven with no differentiation between walls and ceiling. Very, very ornate, very Baroque. A lot of stuff going on, very active. Well, Saint... Uh, the, the, the Jesuits were really inspired to bring the word of God to other lands. 
and one of the lands they chose was Japan. Sounds great. They didn't take a bus. They, didn't, they took a boat. You know, they didn't take a plane. It was no easy travel. And they brought the faith to Japan over a period of several hundred years. Nagasaki has the biggest Catholic population in Japan today. But at that point, Christianity had not been heard of in Japan. And the, the shoguns, the leaders of Japan, were antagonistic toward these black-robed figures, which is St. Ignatius and his compatriots, who were bringing this new philosophy. They didn't call it a religion necessarily because they didn't accept it as a religion into their land. And the irony of it is that they worshipped a dead god in their belief, the crucifixion. So there was a lot of controversy over the 300 years of the Jesuit migration and uh, inspiration and uh, prostration of the word of God in Japan. In around 1630, one leader rose up. He was a Jesuit, Paul Mickey, M-I-K-I, and it was determined that he was going to be martyred. They didn't call it martyrdom, they called it death. He was marched about several hundred miles with his compatriots, and they were crucified there in Japan, symbolizing their leader, Jesus. So, of course, we look at them as martyrs. We look at them as people who witness to their faith. The Japanese, at that point, looked at them as crazy people. They're trying to upset the government, upset the, the, the status quo. Now, he, those martyrs, were inspired by Jesus. Now, what Jesus did today in the Gospels is very simple. He, he was, got on his little trajectory and he was slowly winding up. He started visiting people, started preaching, and then the preaching turned into action, and the action turned into curing. And the word got out that this new rabbi is doing unusual things. And people came from all over. Here we have Mark put him on the Sea of Genesaret, also called the Sea of Galilee, also called uh, Lake Tiberias. It's the same body of water, but has various names. And as Jesus gets off on the boat, he goes to the other side, word gets out. It's Jesus, he's coming, and people come from all over. And Mark tells us, no matter where he went, people would bring their sick and their, those who needed healing. And, and they didn't even want him to touch them often. They just said, just let us touch the tassel of your clothing. There was some kind of a power, we know what it is, it was God's presence going out of him that people wanted to get close to him. Centuries later, and even in his own time, people died for that. People held on to Jesus, and because they held on to their faith, they were killed, they were martyred. The first martyrdoms happened in the first century. And the martyrdoms go on through the 16th century, as we hear from the Japanese martyrs tonight, today, and it still goes on today in areas of the world 
that we don't hear much about sometimes. It's parts of Nigeria, Middle East, China. Christianity is not a favorable experience to many governments who look upon Christ and the Christians as people who are out to upset the status quo. Jesus upset the status quo, you know that. That's why he landed on the cross. And his message was always one of peace and healing. And that's what attracted people to him. And that's the message that Paul Mickey and the other martyrs through the centuries have always tried to preach peace, healing. Now, there's a few of us in church today, quite a few. Jesus is here, and you came from all over the neighborhood to visit Jesus, just like the early followers of Jesus, just like the, the Jesuit missionaries. They came to bring Jesus, find Jesus, and bring Jesus. That's still going on. And the, the missionaries today are you. As we gather, we're coming to visit Jesus. Yes, in the Blessed Sacrament, but yes, in the Mass. Because once we participate in the Mass, we're back on Calvary at the original sacrifice, the cross. So as we come here today, we're imitating what Christians did from the first century on. The question we have, too, would I be willing to die for that faith as Christians today are dying all over the world? The other question is, am I willing to live for that faith? Living for the faith in Jesus means preaching in action, in word, and in attitude. So we have Jesus preaching, the story of creation, and the story of the martyrs. And the story goes on because creation has not ended. We're part of it. What will our participation in creation be as we give to the world knowledge of Jesus, his peace and his mission?